Welcome to Bear Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. With me is Danny Shimon. You know, Bear Football now has become a bad phrase because the football that, at least offensively, that the Bears are playing is really atrocious. I start our Tuesday night show, Bear Their Souls, with an open where I say, they won, but I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. And that's exactly how I feel. This was an embarrassing offensive performance, and it starts with Luke Getze, but it goes on to Justin Fields, too. His two late fumbles uh, is part of a recurring pattern with him where he just has a hard time in fourth quarters making these comebacks. Now, officially, it's going to go in the books as a comeback victory for Justin Fields, but my goodness, that's why the numbers often lie. Danny Shimon, I know uh, you had some work obligations, and so you missed a, a portion of the game, but from what you saw, what do you think? Well, I, I got a, I got a couple, couple of things, but first of all, I mean, although – this is Matt Eberfuss's first division win in two years. Come on, you're, you're putting him down. Come on. They got to give him a little golf clap. It took him a year, almost two years to get a division win. Come on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I it, was, it, it was, it was obviously an ugly game. Uh, that, that first half I was, I was watching, uh, you know, kind of there's some work stuff going on, but I was watching the, that first half and it looked like, I mean, Justin came out on fire. It was 12 for 12 in his first 12 passes, but it was all more, more like the Tyson Bajant kind of, game plan versus the Raiders, where it's going more horizontal as opposed to going vertical. Now, the one thing that this told me this told me was was Luke Getze didn't trust his offensive line versus this Vikings defensive front. That or, or he didn't trust Justin Fields to be able to make the right the quick enough throw read to be able to get rid of the football. So, you know, that that's that's t- telling me that the coaching staff doesn't have much trust in his players. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're a player and this game plan comes out and you're like, all right, we're not gonna try and go vertical versus a team that, that does a lot of cover zero blitzes where this is this is where you want to try and burn them uh mm-hmm. that shows a lack of a lack of um uh you know uh, of, um confidence i want to say but from getsy into his staff but another thing i noticed is again you know running you're a running team look at and they come out and they have what 12, 12 or 15 passes in the, in the first drive or something like that some crazy numbers like that and uh i just i don't i don't get it you know just when you when you get get behind get just under center you get a fullback in front of the running by the way it's Rashawn johnson or whether it's killer herbert you generally have to have you have success you know especially versus teams like this where they're more aggressive and they're coming up front so uh you know a win is a win uh the, the one thing the positives though for me you disagree, but I, I think Justin Fields was a positive. I mean, he took a beating that that first half. I mean, he was getting 
annihilated and, and he's still stuck in there. He made some plays, made some throws. The fumbles are an issue. That is two things that 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 I've harped on him. Ball security is is a, is a huge thing for this kid. And, you know, he's gotten a little bit better in the pocket, but the, these two fumbles today, now, I'm not making excuses for him, but the thumb, how it was, could that have led to some of that? I don't know. Uh, that could be an issue there as well. But in the final drive where he finally got his comeback victory, everyone's been claiming about a comeback victory. He, he led him to a, to a winning drive there, and they, and they won the game. Uh, you know, he I saw him kind of covering, using two hands to cover up the football in those couple couple last runs. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's a game where Justin Fields showed his toughness. Uh, you know, Luke Getty showed an inability to call a, a a you know a good offensive game plan. Just again, not re- refusing to be a, to be a, a running team when that's their strength. Um, and it, but defensively, I think this is a team that you know Terrell Smith. All the remember the draft show, I was high on Terrell Smith in the fifth round, higher than Tyreek Stevenson when when they drafted him. And now you see why the kid is a guy that can come up and he's a short tackler. You know, he's tailor-made for this co- this off-coverage, you know, zone, zone scheme. I think he filled in nice for for uh, for Tyreek Stevenson there. But for turnovers, you know, you like seeing that. You like seeing that, you know, this t- defense predicated on turnovers. So you like seeing that. You still like seeing the, uh, the effort on the defensive line. And remember when, that, when this when this trade was made for Montez Sweat, I said, guys, this is not the Claypool trade. Montez Sweat can play. And we've seen within these, you know, four, four games he's played, he's made an impact. You know, this is a guy, he's not flashy. You know, he's not the, you know, you know, uh, uh, Daniel Hunter has got 12 sacks already. You know, he's not going to be a double-digit, consistent double-digit kind of guy. He's not a speed guy, but he's a guy that wins with length, with strength, with power. He can play the run. He can play He can play the, the, the pass as well. And the one thing you notice with Montez Sweat, while he doesn't have the bend or the quick get off the line of scrimmage like some of the premier pass rushers, his closing burst to the quarterback is phenomenal. And and with those arms and lengths flying at the quarterback, that really gets them to, to panic and either tuck the ball and he gets a sack. So I think Montez Sweat is, is, a, is a positive here. TJ Edwards, I think, finally showing why the Bears went ahead and signed him. I've, I've been hard on, on on polls in terms of some of the free agent signings. I think TJ Edwards has proven to be a, a damn good signing. Uh, local kid as well, doing well. Uh, but yeah, Terrell, Terrell Smith, the, the corner, really excited me. Jalen Johnson could have had two picks today. Had one, could have had two. Um but Kyler Gordon kind of disappointed me. We'll get into that later on, probably in, in the show. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's some positives here. Obviously, you, know, the, you always take a win, uh, uh, you know, on the road versus division opponent, especially if you never won a division game in, in almost two years, you know, as a head coach. So, you now there are positives on this game. But yeah, in terms of draft position and all that stuff, there's nothing really much that comes out that you say, all right, you know, this this could be a building block in terms of, you know, propelling this into other other victories or so on and so forth. So, yeah, I. Um... I agree with a lot of what you say, and I agree with Joe when he says that was a good defense field fields played against, and a win is a win, a lot of people are telling me. But the thing is, is that we're in an evaluation phase for Justin Fields, and I know how important it is to win games. You want to build, if you want to build a good culture at Hallisaw, it starts with winning football games. You just can't talk about it. You've got to have some positive results, and tonight's result is positive because it's on the win column, but there has to be a sour taste on the part of half of those players in that locker room because they know that the offense failed today. And Luke Getze failed today. Luke Getze, in the first half, I posted the numbers. There were like five running plays called for the two running backs. He was throwing the ball too much. He didn't get a rhythm going um, and uh, with the run game. And, you know, he tried to establish that in the second half, but 
you know, this the, it, this the results just weren't there. And I got a feeling that this is just because just excuse me, Luke Getzey doesn't know how to call a game. Now, Justin Fields also had a number of mistakes. It's not just the two fumbles. It's throwing the ball into the chest of a defensive lineman on a wide receiver screen. Now, you can argue, why are they calling another wide receiver screen? There may have been 20, 30 of them called by Luke Getzey in this game. It's like he was afraid to have his quarterback throw downfield when I don't know why, because on a couple of shots, I saw Cole Komet wide open over the middle. I saw DJ Moore open on another play. There were guys open. Uh, the Vikings weren't blitzing as often as they did back in October when Fields got injured, but they were uh, sending in a good pressure and dropping eight guys back. And so perhaps that's why Luke Getzey felt like it, it, you know, passing downfield was not the answer. But at, at a certain point, you gotta, you gotta challenge your quarterback. And that's what he didn't, uh, do. And so I, I'm just concerned, you know, what happens next? Now the bye is coming up. So they'll have a week to regroup. The players get a much needed rest. And when they come back, I've got to believe, Danny, that Getsy is going to instill a more uh, aggressive passing attack so that we can get a good sense of what Justin Fields can do. And I'm not, I'm not saying abandon the run. They can still run 20, 30 times, just move the chains, but also take more shots downfield and challenge defenses and challenge Justin Fields to show that he can get it done. What do you think? Yeah, in, ter- in terms of you know challenging fields and, and calling a more aggressive you know game plan, I, th- I think that's that's where we talked about earlier, right? I, I just don't think he felt like the offensive line or or, or Justin could could you know get the ball run the ball quick enough to to avoid sacks. Now I think they had what two sacks is what they finished with today, I believe. The I didn't see the final numbers, but Minnesota. So I mean, there, there was a, there a couple times that Justin had the ball and just he couldn't find anybody downfield, and he just ended up you know getting rid of the ball, throwing it out of bounds, which is what you know we want him to do. So, so instead of just forcing it down the football field or forcing it to coverage, I should say. So, you know, for me, it, for me, it, it, it's yeah, it wasn't a pretty game. I, I felt worse after the Carolina win, to be honest with you. Although I, I think that was much more like, ugh, that no team deserved to win that game. I think the Bears, you know, went into a, to a hostile environment in Minnesota. A team that's been hot, you know, the team that that's been, you know, I think believe five games in a row, if I'm mistaken, or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with, with, you know, with Josh Jobs as the quarterback now. They lost um, last week against the Broncos, but uh, they had a a five game winning streak, and three of them were with Dobbs. So and and then I think so. This is a team that was hot. I mean, this is a team that was contending for a playoff spot. So it's not like they were just some, you know, you know, cream puff. They went in and they beat them. So you got to give them credit for that. Obviously uh, a win, uh, winning any game, especially on the road in a hostile environment is, is tough. So even though I'm not a Matt Eberflus uh, fan, uh, I, I think I've, I've documented that well over the year. Uh, this was a, this was a, a, a good win for his, his coaching staff, because I think this was, uh, you know, especially defensively. I mean, they, they, they got after Dobbs, they got the turnovers, they got the pressures. And the one thing with, with, so I guess I guess to you Aldo is to your point. So if the Bears had Justin had thrown for four touchdowns and four three hundred yards, but the Bears lost, you know, thirty nine to thirty five, would you have felt better about the offense, or would you still feel the same you are now? Because I, I think a win is a win. They, you know, not every game you're going to win by flinging the ball over the football field. You're going to have to be able to play run tough defense, get first downs when you need them, and get you know points. So that's the thing. It's like it's like wins come in different shapes and sizes in the NFL. And I think this is part of the process of developing a quarterback. You know, not every game is going to be four or five touchdowns and, you know, in 300 yards, right? Obviously, you'll see that, but also we've seen him do that and then lose. So I guess to me, you know, like, would you have better felt better now if, if the Bears had lost, but Justin had thrown for four touchdowns and 300 yards? 
No, because I don't want the defense to give up that many uh, points. The, the defense has steadily progressed, and it's become one of the better defenses in the National Football League over the last few weeks. The problem that I have is that Justin is not putting up the points and playing four quarters. That's the problem, and we need the urgency to make a decision on Justin Fields is at a 10 out of 10. We've got a draft coming up where we might have the first overall draft pick, and there are multitude quarterbacks available here, two at the top that will be vying for the number one overall selection, and then two or three or maybe even four who could be selected in the first round who would be viable uh, uh, selections to build your team around, I truly believe. Now, we, we we all have to do a lot more work in terms of scouting these quarterbacks, but the, the pressure is on now to find out what we have in Justin Fields. And frankly, what I saw tonight wasn't it. And what I saw against the Detroit Lions was only it for three quarters. And so that's my problem. Uh, Kevin Fishbane wrote a great article in The Athletic earlier this week about all of the uh, – losses that the Bears have incurred in the fourth quarter when they had a chance to win to protect the lead and did not by turnovers, interceptions, or the defense giving up a score, or had a chance to come from behind and score. Uh, I think their, their record is 2-12 and 12 under Eberflus in his two years. And the article, I thought it was, again, brilliant, brilliantly uh, uh, written. It did not blame solely Justin Fields, but it did account for some of the errors that he made in those 12 losses. And it also accounted for bad decisions made by the coaching staff, other player errors, you know, not running out of bounds, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I, I just feel this sense of urgency of trying to figure out who's going to be in the next quarterback in 2024. And right now, I think Justin took a step back with those two fumbles in the fourth quarter. Yeah, this this is where you and I are going to disagree, and 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 that's and then you make some valid points in terms of, you know, uh, you know, you want to know you want to know for sure, like you know, is is he the answer? You know, like people thought, you know, obviously now people are 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 in Buffalo are saying is Josh Allen the answer? We, and we thought that's insane to think that, right? A couple of years mm -hmm. ago, that's insane. This guy's a future Hall of Famer, right? So there there's up and downs in in, in these in these kids' careers, and, and they're up and up, up and flows and all that stuff, and. And I've been on record saying I'm I'm, I'm a believer in Justin Fields. I, I think I think he's a guy. You know, if, if we're saying Luke Getzey should be fired, you know, if we're not 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 saying you're saying that, but I'm saying like you're you're questioning his, his you know game plan, you know, and that's something I've been saying. And I know Coach he's been saying on 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 the on the post game show as well is like he doesn't put these players in the best position to succeed. So if you get more talent around Justin, if you get a, a coach that puts him in a position to succeed. You know, what's to say Justin can't elevate and be a better quarterback than some of these? Because remember, you bring in his college quarterback, whether it's Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever you bring in from the draft, you're starting all over again. You're starting with like a rookie who's who's going to start to learn. You know, not everyone comes in and is, is you know, CJ Stroud, you know, week one, right? So, you know, talking about possibly starting all over again with that rookie. And then now who's coaching him and, and how are they developing that? So, so it's it's a I, my thing. My thing is right now is, is if you end up with the number one pick, if the Bears number one pick from Carolina, I would do whatever you know, get whatever. I would rob whatever team, whether it's the Giants or Arizona, whoever wants to come up, New England, for the number one. Get as much draft capital, move down, and get Marvin Harrison Jr. Because you pair him with DJ Moore, you now you oh. got you add to the offensive line. And even if you draft a quarterback in the second round, or you know, and, and bring in competition to compete with Justin, that's fine. You know, competition breeds better players. So. I just think instead of just kind of recycling and starting all over again, let's just build around Justin because we we've seen when he's on, he's got superstar potential. 
It's just now getting them consistent, getting them consistent across that, you know, entire career. And, you know, the fumbles are something that bother me as well. You know, that's something that he's, that's his, his you know, fourth year. He's going to have to, you know, learn it to secure the ball. And, and again, the thumb will give him a little bit of a doubt there tonight, but, um, you know, I just, I just think you have a guy here that, that potentially could be your franchise quarterback. And again, you build a defense around them. You build a solid running game, a good offensive line, some weapons. You can win with this, and you can win a lot of games with, with Justin Fields as a quarterback. So I'd rather build, add more, you know, uh, you know superstar players on this on this roster, and build this roster up, and and, and use Justin Fields as as a quarterback, even if it's for another year. You know, and, and you bring in a young guy, draft a young guy, and and he's the competition with with Justin. You can do that as well, but. You know, I, I just I don't believe in giving up on, on fields because I've seen so much good things from him. Is he there yet? No. And I think we all agree on that. But, you know, is, is he showing, you know, signs and potential? I, I mean, like that the Denver-Washington game was was good. The Minnesota game, you know, he got hurt. And then he came back last week, you know, had a solid game versus Detroit. Should have won that game. I think today, you know, out there, I showed, I think today, if anything, he showed his toughness. He showed a guy that, that will not back down uh, from, from the pressure and all that stuff. And, you know, made, made some throws. You know that that throw to in the end to uh, to uh, DJ Moore was was a huge throw. You know, so the kid can make plays from the pocket. It's just being consistent down in and down out. And obviously, his ability to make uh, make plays with his legs is, is a huge plus. So, I think th- this team loves this guy. They believe in him. They follow him. He's the leader of that of that offense. And I just think if you get better players around him, more consistent coaching, I think this is this is the guy that can lead the Bears to to multiple victories uh, in playoff contention. So. Uh, at the halftime show, I, I said that if the Bears lose, we were going to have to have a discussion about whether Eberflus uh, and other coaches you know, should be fired tomorrow morning or tonight. Now, the, the way they won this game, I think that topic is, should still be up for discussion. I, and I know that the Bears don't have a lot of options in terms of replacements, particularly for the offensive coordinator, because I do believe that in order to fairly judge Justin Fields. We need a different play caller. We, we need a new voice in that room. And so I don't know what you do, but I would seriously consider if I'm Ryan Pose of firing somebody, there's been a, a plethora of offensive co- coordinators, defensive coordinators fired over the last two, three weeks. Other teams are doing it. And then they turn around and have some success. You look at the types of points the Buffalo Bills have put in since they fired their their offensive coordinator. You look at the 490-some yards the Pittsburgh Steelers had on Sunday. I know they didn't score a lot of points, but they got a lot of yardage, much more than they did when Matt Canada was their offensive coordinator. So given those just those two examples right there, it almost feels to me like the Bears should fire their offensive coordinator and put a Band-Aid approach to whoever's calling the offensive plays just so that we can get a sense of whether it's Fields uh, or, or whether it's Getsy. What do you think about that? Well, the, the two examples you gave in, in terms of Pittsburgh and, and, and Buffalo, they both had guys on their staff that had done it before, although Joe Brady had called, was an offensive coordinator both in LSU and with Carolina. Not very successful with Carolina. He got fired, but still, he had done it before. Same thing with Pittsburgh. You know, Mike Sullivan has done it. You know, he was quarterback's coach there. He had done it for multiple years with the Giants and on other teams as well. So with the Bears, they don't have anybody on the on, on this on this coaching staff that could be the, uh, step up and, and be a play, a play caller. You know, so similar with with Eberflus in terms of firing him. 
he should use a de facto defensive coordinator. Who's going to step up and be a defensive coordinator for you? So that's I think that's going to be the, the hard part, you know, in terms of replacing some of these coaches. So I think I, I think the the only thing is we're stuck with these guys, this coaching staff, to the end of the season, um, and and we'll, we'll see how, if anything changes. But you know, I, I think last week I think uh, Getzi had a, had a good you know game plan in terms of what he what he was doing versus versus Detroit. Some might question that final drive in terms of you know that that, that final play whatnot. But I think overall I think Getzi had. A pretty good game plan. They put up was it 26 points last week? You know, today there was no touchdowns. But again, they're playing, a, a, in my opinion, a, a very good defense, a very aggressive defense. You know, they they, they should have 15 points, and they end up with only 12 points. You know, Kyra missed that, that field goal. But again, it's it's no touchdowns. But I think they they made plays. They they, they got some first downs here and there. They they were in that first half. They're just kind of beating themselves up. You know, when that when that interception by by Jalen Johnson, then Kyle Gordon gets that 15 uh, yard unsportsmanlike penalty. And then there was a false start versus, you know, um, uh, the rookie, uh, uh, Darnell Wright. And then there was that, uh, there was a play where, where Justin actually overthrew uh, Darnell Mooney. Uh, that should have been a, a, probably a first down there as well. So I just, they were just beating themselves in that first. And I think if they continue to get more consistent on, on offense, they could put up some more points versus his defense today. I mean, obviously Josh Dobbs gave him a whole lot of opportunities there to go ahead and, and, and make plays and, and put up some points. So it's, it was, it wasn't pretty. But to me, I, I saw some discouraging signs. You know, obviously, I think uh, the offensive line had a. Ah, I, I was like, I thought they were having a good day, but then they they had some 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 mix-ups there. Obviously, T- Jenkins got hurt, and and Whitehair came in, but luckily he came back. So we'll see if that's you know that's a long-term or short-term thing there. Um, the fact that he came back is, is a good sign, obviously. So you know, we we were hoping that offensive line kind of gel, but they gave up a lot of pressure. And, and you're right, there was times there were, there was only. You know, they, they came up, Minnesota came up in the show like that, six, seven guys at the line of scrimmage would drop back three or four and only bring three guys, but still got pressure on Justin. There was times where Justin was back there for six, seven, eight seconds, holding the ball and just looking, looking, and that's when they dropped back in zones and they, no one was coming open. So, you know, it's, it's like we got to also kind of give the Minnesota Vikings uh, defensive, you know, um, uh, players a uh, tip of the cap there as well. And again, besides, you know, DJ Moore and you know, and Cole Komet, who is another consistent, you know, uh, you know, I guess, a playmaker on, on offense. Obviously, Donald Mooney we thought was going to be well, but you know he's been up and down all season. The running game never got going. Rashawn Johnson, I think, had a better game today than Khalil Herbert. Uh, Deontay Foreman was was uh, out was inactive today with that with that ankle injury. So I, I just think that for me, what Getty loses me is is that he just refuses, in my opinion, to uh, to admit that this team's strength is running the football. Establish everything off of that run game. And I think he did a nice job, nice job last week versus Detroit doing that. And today we, we didn't see many design runs for, for Justin. We saw some in the second half, but that first first quarter was just more get rid of the ball, get the ball out of your hands, get it to, to these. And then you're right. They started, Minnesota started reading that. They started picking up on them. Just like Tampa Bay picked up on those screen passes, right? They're not being that that Shaq Barrett, you know, touched pick six at the end, of, end of that game versus Tampa Bay. It was, there was a consistency there where, you know, he wasn't tricking anybody. And so then they started kind of reading that and then jumping those, those you know, those passes and, and knocking them down back in Justin's face. So, the, the creativity is not there with Luke Getzey, and the, and the, and the stubbornness is there in terms of he's not going to be just a running uh, football team. Where that, but that's the strength of his football team currently, right? The offensive line, the run game, talented three-headed monster in the backfield, uh, along with a, with a quarterback that can use his legs to, to run the ball, win, build your passing game off the off the play action, off that running attack, and he just refuses to do that for whatever reason. So again, I agree with you in terms of Getzey. You never know what you're going to get. Now he's not a guy. You know, I, they they done these profiles on some of these offensive coordinators. You know, like Ben Johnson. There was there was talk about. And I watched him versus in, in uh, Thanksgiving game. They were talking about him being setting up a play in the first quarter to to come back in the third quarter and do a different play off of that 
play action or off that same kind of action, right? Similar to Kyle Shanahan, you set things up in the middle of the Sean Payton, same thing. You set things up early on in the game so you can come back later on in the game and get a big play off of that because they've seen that formation. They've seen that type of action, whatever it is, but you set something up differently, totally different off of that. So, you know, that kind of creativity, that kind of setting things up for later on in the game, you don't see that with, with Luke Getze. And it's, it's just, again, it's a first-time play caller, a guy who might be in over his head. Um, but but to you know, kind of to your point earlier, I think we're stuck with him because I don't think there's a better option on this coaching staff. Uh, Lara's got a great stat here. 79% completion percentage and 12.9 yards per attempt to DJ Moore tonight and 66% completion percentage and 5.7 to everyone else. It's crazy. That is one of the concerns that I, another one of the concerns I have about Justin is that, you know, like even the Washington game, you know, I know I'm, I'm going to sound like a, asshole here you know because justin threw four touchdown passes to dj field uh, dj moore but it almost seemed like he was doing it you know in, in a tunnel vision type of way and and that he's not utilizing the entire cadre of receivers that he have yeah we can make you just said you know who else does he have as number three and so forth well he had Darnell Mooney wide open on the sideline today and overthrew him and almost Mooney almost got injured on the play. And we've seen that before. It's just this inconsistency with his accuracy, his inconsistency with, with his decision-making and his processing. I love the guy, but it's just, this is just taking too long. And like, you know, a lot of people agree with what you're saying, but there are also people who, like Iceberg, are saying, Danny, when are you going to hold Boston Fields accountable? And so that's the question I have for you. At what point do you, are you going to pull the plug on Justin Fields? What has to happen for you to say, okay, maybe this isn't working and, and maybe he'd just be better off somewhere and we should try to make a trade? He's got to look like Zach Wilson. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> he's got to look like Zach Wilson where, where he can't complete a, a five-yard pass. I mean, that, that's what that's, I mean, that, that's the thing is like, you know, so, you know, if, if you go, you know, he's, I'll tell you, DJ Moore, 11 reception, 114 yards, Cole Komet second with seven receptions, 43 yards, you know, uh, and then Roshan Johnson at four. So Darnell Mooney is, that's the mystery. Like, you know, they have a connection his rookie year, you know, him and Darnell Mooney have a connection. What has happened there? I don't know. In terms of, you know, feeding DJ Moore, you know, everyone said early on, you know, DJ Moore needs at least minimum 10 targets minimum 10 targets and people were on Justin for not getting the ball to him enough. And now, you know, some people are saying, Oh, well, you know, you're just focusing solely on DJ. Well, if he's your number one receiver, he's the guy that he's the guy that they brought in here. You know, that's why he's going to him. I mean, if, if Josh Allen goes to Stefan Diggs 14 times, Diggs might not be happy still because he wants more than those. But I'm just saying like, if he goes to him, that that's your number one guy. That's so who that's who's number one receiver. So for, you know, uh, Jalen Hur uh, hurts with, with uh, AJ Brown, you know, th these guys, now, you do want to see the ball being spread out evenly. I do agree with you that. But, again, that all goes with the, the progression, right? You, you have you have a, a play. You have a progression. You go one, two, three, four. However many, however many reads you have in a progression. And if you have an offensive line that, that's given up, it's a little leaky over the years, has given up some some pressure, you know, I'm, I'm sure Justin's got just sees a guy. You trust DJ Moore. He throws it to him. He gets it open. and gets the ball out of his hand. So, you, know, you want to see more distribution. I understand where you guys are coming from. But again, you know, you can't be saying he's he's feeding DJ Moore too much when then early in the season we're saying he's not feeding him enough. 
So it's like, it's like, damn if you do and damn if you don't, if you're Justin Fields. But yeah, in terms of, he's not a bust. If you think Justin Fields is a bust, you think the New York Jets wouldn't give an arm and leg now to have Justin Fields as their quarterback right now with that defense, with that with that type of talent they have on offense? I, I agree. So, yeah, so I agree. Like, he's not a bust. It's you, you just want to see the consistency come from him. And that's the thing. That's, I think, comes with coaching. It comes with more, more talent around him. Obviously, I think, I think we all agree, uh, maybe I'm, I'm in a minority here, that he's taken a step up from last year. Right in terms of with DJ Moore around them with the development of Cole Komet. Now, yes. is he where you want him to be? No, obviously not. I think we all agree there that he, there's more development, there's more consistency that needed. My biggest thing with him is just his play clock in his head. He's got to know that ball's got to come out. He can't hold on to the ball out today. Like I said, he had some protection where he had seven, eight seconds, held on the ball, kind of, kind of bought some time with his legs, but couldn't find anybody. Got rid of the ball. But generally, in the NFL, you know, within three seconds, that ball's got to be out of your hand. And I think that's where he's got his next step is. And that's one thing that I was looking for him to develop hopefully this year. But obviously that, that's, you know, you've seen some hit or miss here or there with that. But his play clock in his head has got to speed up and the ball has got to be out of his hands. If he determines pre-snap where the ball is going and post-snap, things change around him. He's got to decide quickly where the ball is going or tuck it and run because he cannot keep taking sacks. And the other thing is we talked about earlier, he's got to hold on to the football. No more of these turnovers, no more of these fumbles. Uh, I just want to answer some of the questions directed at me in the chat room. You know, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm hard on Justin Fields is simply because of where we are at. This is the draft is coming up. You're, you're rarely going to have an opportunity to have the number one overall pick in the draft. And now we have it for two years. We passed up on C.J. Stroud, who's demonstrated that he could be one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. I don't blame Ryan Poles. Uh, for bypassing him because I would have gambled on Justin Fields as well. But here we are with five games left, five games left in the 2023 season. And we're, I can't, I can't imagine any Bears fan under truth serum saying I am totally convinced that Justin Fields is our, is our franchise quarterback. There are concerns about him. And so when you have this opportunity to pick the, the, the class, uh, the, the, the best of the class at quarterback, whoever that may be, then you, you've got to, you know, put the screws to Justin. And he knows it, and he probably felt it today. He probably is feeling the pressure because everybody is asking him about it. The national media was asking him at, at the end of the game, who was interviewed by Lisa Salters, and, and she asked, you know, you said you're not putting too much pressure on yourself based on what can happen. So it's, it's inundating him, and maybe that's part of why he's been a little bit inconsistent. I don't know. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is if, if you're the general manager of the Chicago Bears, you have to be considering, what am I going to do with this quarterback position? I can hit the, the salary cap reset if I bring in a Caleb or a Drake or somebody else to be the quarterback and I trade Justin Fields. Now, all of a sudden, all of that salary cap dollars that dollars that you would save on a quarterback, $20, $30 million a year, you can invest on pass rushers. You can invest on cornerbacks. You can invest on other positions of need. So that's where we're at. That's why this is, is so important. This is why I sound so urgent. This is why I'm losing my mind. <laughs> All right, two questions for you, Aldo, and for everyone in the chat, right? Question number one, would the Bears have had put up 26 points last week against Detroit or have won this game today without Justin Fields at quarterback? Your honest opinion? No. Okay. So that, that's one thing, right? So for people who are calling him a bust, that, that just, just think of that right there. He, he was Last week he was the best player on, on offense. Today him and DJ Moore were, were the best players on offense today. Uh, second thing is, and I've, I've preached this before, and, and you, you are my witness. What's to stop the Bears if they get the number one overall pick? Take the best quarterback you see out there. 
take Caleb Williams. I'm not a huge fan of Caleb Williams. I, I, I don't think he's a – if you guys have actually watched Caleb Williams play, he holds on to the ball way too long. He makes More than fields. Decisions. He makes yes. poor decisions. He fumbles the ball as well. So this guy's not going to come in here and light up this, the, the league next year. I'm just letting everyone know. There, there's, there's a rude awakening for those who are expecting Caleb Williams to come in and light up – if he, the Bears take him to light up Soldier Field. So even if you take – so let's so, say you say you, you want Caleb Williams. Take Caleb Williams, and you have to give it to Justin Fields this year. You can you can you can hold on Good to point. him Good and then point. let them battle out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is this is going way back here, but the the, the Chargers did it with with Philip Rivers, fourth overall pick, and they had Drew Brees, you know, and they battled out. And Drew Drew started that that one year, and then and then eventually he got hurt. He went out he went out to uh, New Orleans, and then they started Philip Rivers. He took over from there. So if you are, you know, the, the Bears hierarchy, and, and you're not sure of Justin, but you're not willing to get rid of him either, keep him. Bring in there the best quarterback you've you've scouted, whether it's Drake May. I'm a I'm a little higher on Drake May as of right now than I am Caleb Williams, so that, that's just just me. But bring in Drake May and let the best man compete and the best man win the job, and then you go from there. And if Justin loses to Drake May, now you go to other teams. Say, hey, right, I have a quarterback. What you're going to give me for him? And I'm sure there's going to be teams out there that are going to be interested in bringing in Justin Fields, a kid that talented Justin Fields. You get something for him. So that's what I would do. You know, it's I I can't uh, I'm not going to give up Justin Fields and say all right let's bring in a rookie and go with that because now you're talking about a whole refresh and now that's the kid that that kid flops, you know then now you know where you're at if you're Chicago Bears so you know but that's the thing is like he's still you know with all the inconsistencies we see on on the field he's still one of the the, the, your best players on offense and then you know he still helps you win games you know they should have won two games in a row if that defense doesn't blow that 12 point lead last last week so two games against the top two uh, teams in your division so that that tells me like you know they're on on the road for both games right so that you know they should have won back-to-back games so you know you know how would we be seeing the bears now you know after this victory if they you know follow that up with the detroit victory you know i I think you'll be feeling feeling pretty good about this team so I, I think, you know, I think the, it's fair to say that perhaps the majority of the people in the chat are agreeing with you. You stick with fields. You make the cho- changes at the at the off with the offensive coordinator and coaching staff and, and you provide more weapons. You bring in Marvin Harrison. That gives you a dynamic receiving uh, duel of Moore and Harrison. Um Cole Komet, of course, he, he's been playing beautifully at the tight end position. He's a great uh, 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 safety valve for, for the quarterback for fields. Uh, you may be invested in another running back in the draft, somebody with a little breakaway speed uh, to complement the bulldozing Roshan Johnson style, who I think is probably going to be the number one running back next year. I, I doubt that they will re-sign Deontay Foreman. And Khalil Herbert has one more year left on his contract. So I think they'll, in other words, I think they'll replace Deontay Foreman with somebody. I would love to see somebody with great speed in that backfield. But what the overall point that I'm trying to get is that it seems to you that you, you keep, it seems to me that you and everyone else is saying you keep the nucleus of this team fields, you add, give them some more offensive weapons. You make some adjustments on the defense, particularly with the pass rush and defensive backfield. So I'm asking you what type of an offensive coordinator, I'm not particularly asking for a name, but what type of an offensive coordinator do you bring in to help mentor this athletic quarterback along and get him to the next step? Yeah, for me, it would be, it'd be a guy that, that, that will take players 
you know, like Justin Fields or, and, and DJ Moore. And if you bring in a Marvin Harrison Jr. or Cole Komet, take these guys and scout them, you know, and, and self-scout them and say, all right, what is, do you, what is it that you do best, right? If it's, for example, if it's Cole Komet, if it's, you know, running in, down the slot or if it's Justin Fields, you know, using some more boot action and, and, and using his legs as a weapon, you know, putting in positions to succeed. But the one thing I would do is, as you mentioned it, I, I think that the Bears are building potentially a very good offensive line here. I think you'd continue to, to lean on that offensive line, you know, they, whether it's Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright or, or Nate Davis and Darnell, Darnell Wright, I think that right side is, is a side that can move people off the line of scrimmage. They're what I call people movers, you know, and, and when scouting phrases. So get that, run behind them, build your offense off of your off of your running attack. And that, that's what I've been preaching and praying for Luke Getty to do. He does it here and there, but it's not consistent with, with Luke Getzi. So, and then just take the player you have now and, and put him in spots to succeed, right? Dan, Daniel Jones was considered a bust in New York, and Brian Dable came in and did something similar, put him in a position where he didn't ask him to do, do too, too much. Now, the other thing about these young quarterbacks, we all forget, guys, is you need a, a defense to kind of help them, to kind of help support them. You know, it's it's one thing if, if you have a, a young quarterback going out that door for 400 yards, but this defense is giving up 600 yards and they're giving up 50 points. They're still losing. So the thing is, you have a defense like the Giants, they were last year when he brought in, you know, Dable and, and they kind of built Daniel Jones up to a point where at the end of the, at the, end of the year, he's beating, he's going to Minnesota and throwing for 300 yards and, and beating Minnesota on the road. So, you know, it, it's just putting players in position to succeed, you know, building an offense around the strengths of your players, not bringing in a system like Matt Nagy did say, hey, this is the chief system. This is all I know. This is all, and this, this is what you get. You guys have to fit in this system. No. And look at the, all, he was never a play caller. You know, he he play, called plays in a preseason for Matt LaFleur, I think one game or two games. He was never a play caller. And he came from that Matt LaFleur system from Green Bay and said, all right, I'm fitting guys into my system. You know, I want guys that, that have experienced, that, that have been with other coaches, that have, have learned, have put things together. You know, I did a, a small profile on Ben Johnson, the offensive corner for, for Lions, and that's what he's done. He's been with multiple coaches. He's taken things from the West Coast. He's taken things from the, you know, the Bill Walsh traditional West Coast offense. He's taken things from the Eric Coriel stuff. He's taken things from the Mike Shanahan, you know, um, you know, a, a wide zone stuff. You know, he's incorporated all that. And, in, you know, one thing with him is, like, you know, he uses – you know, he'll is the same formation, a run formation, but he'll pass out of that run formation. So defenses look at it and say, oh, they're going to run the ball. Nope. They're, they might only have one one or two uh, options in the, in the passing, you know, and going downfield. But, you know, it's 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 now you're putting the defense behind and guessing. And then when, when defense is guessing, they're not quick enough to react to what the offensive player is doing. Because remember, the offensive player knows where he's going. The defensive player has to guess where the offensive player is going. So and when the defensive player is slow, whether it's a millisecond or two seconds or whatever it is, you have an advantage as an offensive player and then as a play caller. So that's what it is, is take advantage of your player's strengths, build a system that's based off of their strengths. Don't bring in a quick cutter offense saying, oh, I learned this under Andy Reid, or I learned this under, you know, so-and-so, and this is what we're going we're gonna to run this place. Build, take what you have on, 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 your, on your team and build it to their strengths. Put them in, in position to succeed. Let me uh, bring in Matt Eberflus. He just uh, went into um, you know, and then, you know, the press dealing, room dealing, and he's and talking to the media. Making them use their timeouts and then kicking it uh, uh, for the winner. You know, and we utilize that that uh, defense. I mean, we've used it a bunch of different times, that last play defense that you have where you, you're back all the way like that. And um, the guys did a good job executing that as well. So um, starting off the game, you know, I thought we started off strong, you know, in terms of drives, you know, moving the ball down the field. Uh, just didn't capitalize. He obviously missed that long field goal um, there, but it was I think it was nine minutes, and Justin started eight for eight, I believe, uh, which is really good. And then obviously the takeaways by the defense. Um, you know, we had uh, a punt on the first series, and then we intercept the last the next two. 
And uh, that's good focus and concentration by those guys. And we've been working really hard um, during the course of the week of taking the ball away. And uh, that's starting to pay off for us. Um, so I thought the first half, you know, ended well there. Just uh, I thought too many penalties um, put us behind the stick sometimes with some opportunities. Um, you know, during that time, you know, obviously the the Kyler Gordon, you know, penalty that we had, that we had at midfield and just backing us up. Um, and then we end up not stalling out on some penalties on offense on that one. So that was probably the most disappointing thing in the first half. Um, but the second half came out. I thought the uh, defense came out ready to play. You know, was it was a three and out. They had a couple interceptions right after that. And then, uh, you know, the touchdown by them was, uh, you know, it's good execution by them. Uh, we got to do a little bit better job on a couple instances there um, in our execution um, on defense. But uh, overall, I thought the defense played stout all day. And uh, it was good. Um, most proud of the guys, the way they finished, um, the way we worked on finishing, you know, as a result from last week. Um, I think it was, uh, it was really good for the guys to see that and, uh, and uh, go into the bye week. And uh, going into the bye week pretty healthy, which is good. Uh, we'll get the guys to be off the whole week. And then we'll work into, we'll bring them back in the following Monday. Um, and we'll do a light walkthrough there and uh, get them checked up and checked in and all that. So with that, open up to questions. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, you need that, you know, in that moment you need it. You know, we only really needed 15, you know, 18 yards to make it nice, uh, you know, in terms of our kick line there. But, uh, you know, obviously when you get that big chunk there, it kind of seals the deal there. And, uh, you know, DJ runs a, a beautiful one cut. He's a great route runner, you know, and, you know, the way he played today, the way he took a lot of those short passes, you know, and, you know, take them for eight, nine yards at a time. And those aren't easy. You know, and he's a, he's a heck of an athlete and a better teammate. Right, what was the decision to go for it on fourth and ten? That's a minute on the episode. Yep. And then not go for it on fourth and three at their seven. Yeah, it's where you are in the, in the, in the game, right? So, you know, at the fourth and ten from the 38, we were outside our kick line there. So, you know, you, you're just ultra aggressive there because you're, you feel good how your defense is playing. You know, if you don't get it, where the ball sits for them. Um, so we felt good there. And then uh, obviously down there, that's points. And uh, you want to capitalize on points. And as the game went on, obviously the points were at a premium there. You knew it was going to be a low score. And, uh, you know, field, field goal meant something, um, you know, in this game. Matt, what are your concerns about the offense overall? I know it ended well, but you had four takeaways and only 12 points. Uh, you go to the red zone. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously we would like to capitalize on those, right? And that's what momentum is. You know, when you get those takeaways, um, on defense, you know, momentum is created there. And the, the momentum is either finished there by the defense returning it, you know, into a scoring zone or scoring themselves, um, or the offense getting that takeaway and then moving it into a scoring zone. And we have to do a better job of that. You know, we have to capitalize on those. And, uh, you know, that's a big going to be a big part of our success going forward. It's good, you know, and I've been part of some good ones, uh, you know, 30 plus a, a few times. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, defense creates momentum in a lot of different ways, you know, and they do it through third down stops. They do it through, you know, big hits uh, and they do it through taking the ball away. And uh, that's what we always preach to the guys. And they did, they did all three things today. What was kind of the conversations upstairs with, with Richard about the math? 
Yeah, first you talk about what hash. You know, that's that's the big part of it. And then, you know, they had two. You know, so they're going to burn the two. You know, and then you figure out what the what the time is after that. And uh, you know, you do your kneeling. You know, rather than run the ball, you know, you want to kneel it uh, because it's a safer play. Um, no reason to. And then uh, we knew they have ten seconds after the kick, so it was a good operation. Just his practice, what he's been doing um, in practice, and he's you know obviously having uh, uh, Foreman out um, certainly played a big part of that. Um, but again, he put his best foot forward, you know, and that's always an opportunity that a guy has when a guy goes down and another guy steps up. And uh, I thought he did a nice job. I thought he did a really good job of like you know working in the open space, you know. And Justin needs to be commended for that because he's worked on that a lot, you know, getting his eyes down the field. And you certainly saw that early in the game, um, you know, with Roshan, you know, uh, you know, seeing that and then make, making some big chunk yards there. And I think that's a really good way to do it because when you got a quarterback that can run like that, you know, then you can, you know, obviously you can dent the defense pretty good there uh, on those. Yeah, I mean, you got all those guys up and they're all a threat to come, right? So you have to be, you know, mindful of that. And you have to have a ways to uh, get the ball in the perimeter or into the second level, you know, of, of the field. And, uh, you know, we didn't hit some of those today, uh, but we're certainly looking uh, to get more more of those. Yeah, I really I really didn't get a full explanation on that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, uh, curious to see. Uh, what they do say about that, um, but uh, you know, clearly his face mask was off, and you know that all. all you know, we we pleaded our case; it just didn't work out. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very important. Um, obviously, our, our goal is to win the division, and and uh, but more importantly, I believe it's the way we finished. Um, I think that's going to be more lasting. Um, going going into these next ball games, and uh, you know, like I said, the proof's right there. We've been doing a lot of good things um, on offense, defense, and kicking, and it's good to win a tight one like this. You know, where we had some adversity at the end, I had to pull through that adversity with those two fumbles and come together with the last defensive series and the last offensive two-minute drive. Yeah, I mean, they're you know what they're going to do, right? It was run, run, right? And then they, they threw the ball to the perimeter, and TJ made a great play. I mean, that was just an outstanding play uh, by him. He's And he's played well all year, but, man, he played good tonight too. Uh, he makes a lot of impactful plays. That one that one stop on the fourth down stop, I believe it was, or third down stop um, you know, on their sideline, that was a really good play too. So he just continues to play his tail off. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was really good. That was really good. And, uh, you know, the execution, the blocking, I think Justin operated there. We got this look we needed, uh, we wanted there. And uh, Cole did an awesome job of, of working himself open into the space. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It was like, then it was third and 21. You know, then, then it was fourth and 10. So there was, you know, but uh, uh, good job by the offense on that one. Um, no, I didn't have a thought on that. Now, with Justin having the, the two fumbles, and, and obviously he's had some 
count level at the end of the fourth quarter. What does it mean for the team and for him just to see him make that play? Yeah, I didn't see the second fumble. I, I know that he had two hands on the one. I think it was just a good play by the defensive end. You know, he was trying to evade and get into the open space, and he had two hands on that one. I didn't see the second one, um, but it means a lot, you know, for him to be able to come back from that, you know, and then seal the deal with that great in cut that he threw uh, to DJ. And even prior to that, there was a lot of good things, a lot of good, you know, no sacks, you know, in that moment, being able to throw the ball away, you know, evade the rush, you know, when guys were not open. Um, and again, we'll look at the tape and see how we can get better, you know, as we will all of us. You know, we can get better from this performance. You know, when we're going to lose, we can always get better. And we want to do that with this one. Yeah, you can see that that's brought Yeah, it's just coming together. You know, I think we had some injuries uh, early on. Um, you know, that's it's not, not acceptable to make an excuse, but we had injuries. And, uh, you know, so we had, didn't have the continuity we wanted during training camp because of those injuries. And I think you know, after the, you know, the third, you know, the fourth game, I think it kind of, we got healthy and the guys started playing together, um, you know, had some continuity there. And, you know, you can feel it, you know, as the guys, the momentum keeps growing and growing with those guys. And, and uh, they certainly are exciting to watch. Yeah. Good. Yeah. He made, made good tackles. I thought he was strong. Um, you know, of course, they're going to go at him. You know, the, he's a rookie and he's a new starter in there. You know, so they did, they certainly did that. And Bojack did a good job of playing over the top on that one. We, that was a, we pressured on that one on the first play, and and Bojack did a good job of of, of seeing that and playing over the top. You don't on our offense. You're saying yeah. Yeah, it's just the pressure. The looks that they give you and the pressure that they give you, six men up, seven men up, they're all threatening uh, right there. And you can decide to do a couple of different things. You know, you can spit the ball to the perimeter or you can max it up and, you know, and have a two-man route, you know, and, and uh, you know, try to see if you can get it done that way. So um, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Um, you know, when you get the ball to DJ on the perimeter, you know, he, he makes, it, makes some things happen. I think it's always a good thing, but uh, we'll look at it. You know, we'll see how we can improve for next time, and, uh, and we'll see what we can do. Oh, right. my God. Good evening. <laughs> that was did interesting. He, did he give, you, give you confidence there going to next season? Oh, my gosh. It almost felt like somebody in the chat room said, I wonder if, you know, Paul's already told them that you're going to be fired tomorrow morning. Because, in fact, the last few weeks, there's just been this weight on him. And, and there's stories that he's sleeping at Alice Hall. You know, there's a lot of stress on him. All this losing, of course, is going to be stressful for anybody. But he does seem like a, a dead coach walking, you know, the way he, he's talking to the media and stuff. I, I feel sorry for him. I don't want to see anybody lose their job, but when you're not doing well in a results-oriented league and you're ma making millions of dollars, I'm not going to feel that sorry for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, it's like everyone talks about the defense and how the defense is playing well, and, and they have been playing well the last couple weeks, no doubt about it. You, you're just watching the game, and that's you know, part of it is the amount of sweat effect up front. I mean, part of it is just the, they're getting healthier in, in, the, in the defensive backfield, but – it's it's there you know today again they gave up the, a huge touchdown in the fourth quarter right so if it wasn't for for the Bears offense and Justin coming back and getting that in position to get a field goal they would have lost this game today too as well so it's like those those that's where defenses are are you know the great defense become or good defense become great is when you close teams out 
And I keep harping about last week, you know, 12 point lead with four minutes left in the game. You should have closed that team out. You know, defensively, you should have closed that team out. And today, too, they, they, if, and I'm sure if, if there was more time on the clock, Minnesota probably would have drove down the field and kicked the field goal. I mean, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind, but they, they ran the clock down at 10 seconds and that's all the time they had left. But, uh, Again, it's it's just he's a he's a good guy. He's, he's you feel bad for the guy. You could. It's funny. It's like you know they say presidential you know terms, right? When you see a president first get you know come into office and you see how young they look, in four years, even eight years, they look they look aged like they're twenty years. Oh my god! <laughs> Same thing with Bears head coaches, man. Like you I'm know, Matt Nagy came in, he was energetic and he had all this smile, mm-hmm. and by the time he left, it was just like head hanging, and you know he was yeah. already bald, so that, we couldn't say he lost his hair, but. Eberflus too, like he was out, you know, the first day he was talking about his hits principle and all that stuff. And now he's just up there talking some gibberish, man. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but you know, again, you got to give him credit. You know, it was, it was a, you know, they should have won back-to-back road uh, division games, but. Yeah, you're right. All right. Uh, Justin is at the podium wearing a purple yeah, headscarf. I mean, you know, he's off, in Minnesota. So I guess that's a lot. And it's crazy because, you know, Roshan, I think he fumbled a player too before I fumbled on the first one. So I'm like telling him, yo, ball security is the most important thing right now. Then two plays later, I fumble. Then the second one was like a backbreaker. But, um, you know, guys never wavered. Um, so the guys in the locker room appreciate them for, you know, sticking beside me and, you know, believing in me. And, um, you know, defense did a great job uh, getting us the ball back for that last drive. And um, offense did a great job executing those plays. So um, felt great. And, and really just felt good of you know, fighting through the adversity, um, ups and downs of the game. Guys never got too high or too low. And, you know, we, we fought and, you know, finished at the end. So, good. Yeah, I mean, that's the play we run all the time in practice. We've been running that play since, um, you know, I can remember. But, um, yeah, saw so the deep defenders get a bunch of depth with, you know, I think it was Tyler or Mooney or somebody, but deep through in a deep corner and then, uh, really, the only player that was, you know, in the middle right there was 44 Metellus, and you know he had no idea where DJ was. Of course, O line did a great job protecting. Um, great play call by Luke. And, um, you know, like I said before, that's just a a play that goes back all the way to training camp. You know, guys executed at a perfect level. Um, you know, we put it in practice multiple times on our defense in a two minute situation. So, you know, just going back to those banked reps and you know everybody executing when we needed to. I'm just locked in. I'm not. There's no feeling. It's just, you know, just straight tunnel vision locked into that. So, yeah. Relief. Relief. You know, we came in at halftime. We were up. Defense was playing a great game. Offense kind of got to a slower start that we wanted to. But, um, you know, nothing that mattered in the first half mattered to us, you know, starting in the second half. So that was, you know, our message was just finish, finish, finish. Because, you know, there's been too many times this season where we've been up. You know, we we didn't do a good job of finishing. So, again, just going back, proud of everyone uh, for fighting through the end. You know, no matter what had happened, and you know, finishing the game out, and you know, ultimately got the dub. So, yeah. Can, can a win like this, like the way you finished, just when you think you carry the Of course. I mean, as a team, you know, we haven't let you know our record define who we are. We know who we are as a team. You know, we know what we're capable of, and it's really just going out there and doing it, going out there, executing and finishing the way we know how, the way we did tonight, and um, really just cleaning up the mistakes because, you know, if you clean up my two fumbles, we're probably not even in that situation. So, um, you know, just, again, you know, props to the, all the guys, coaches, teammates, and you know, sticking their head down and finishing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, a team like this, that's what you kind of got to do. They want to, you know, mug a bunch of guys up at the line of scrimmage and want to have two DBs out for three receivers. You know, you got to outplay them and do that sometimes to, you know, get them out of that stuff. So, um, you know, that was kind of the plan going into it. But, um, you know, I think the receivers did a great job on the outside perimeter blocking and, you know, letting those bubs turn into eight to 12-yard gains. And, you know, those are big plays for us. So, you know, that was a big emphasis, you know, early in the week just to get the ball out and uh, let those guys work on the outside and get the ball out quick because, you know, they'll either – have everybody at the line of scrimmage blitz everybody or, you know, they'll drop out in the cover. So, um, you know, guys handled it well. And, you know, um, just, just that was the main emphasis. Giving you a lot of credit for working with Roshan and especially working with him in space. What did you see from him early on that, like, you were confident going in? Yeah, I mean, he did a great job, uh, one, protecting. Um, you know, he's a great pass blocker. Um, you know, he's a hard worker. But, you know, every time I'm throwing up for practice, he's there. So uh, we kind of have that chemistry. I think there were, you know, a, a play early in the game where it was broken down. He did a good job finding an open zone and, um, you know, getting the first down. I think that might have been a third down, but, yeah, great job by him. And, you know, he's getting better each and every week. So, proud of the way he works. Um, you know, his work ethic is unmatched. And um, you just see him working every day, um, grinding in and out, and, you know, just getting others around him better too. So, it was just it's just really awesome to see him growing and getting better each and every week. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's kind of <clears throat> what our whole team goes through. is like we're going to have adversity throughout the game. We're going to have ups and downs. But, you know, the past is the past. And, you know, we can't we can't dwell on that. we got to, you know, focus on the present moment and, you know, keep going. So, uh, you know, he bounced back from the missed field goal. I was surprised that he missed it, to be honest, because he he's been uh, hot lately. But, I mean, he came back, hit the long field goal. And, um, of course, the, the game winner, that's still the deal. So, um, you know, bounced back great. Uh, didn't let that miss phase him. Uh, just, just kept picking. So. I mean, it just feels good to get a win. You know, anytime you can get a win in this league, um, it feels good. So, you know, it's, it's hard to win. And, uh, you know, I think as a team, it just feels good. No matter who we're playing, um, just just feels good to win. Just keep, just keep going. I mean, you know, I think we had a few uh, communication struggles early in the game with the O-line and stuff like that. But um, just keep keep chipping away. We knew our defense was, you know, playing great. They've been playing great these past two weeks. And, um, you know, we, we knew the defense had our back. They just kept telling us, you know, we, we got y'all's back. And, uh, you know, just, just keep chipping away and uh, putting points on the board. Like I said, I mean, if I don't fumble, we kick a field goal, make it 12-3, to we're probably not even in that situation in the first place the way they're playing. So, um. Yeah, I mean, defense played a hell of a game tonight and, you know, uh, definitely uh, had her back for sure. Yeah, I mean, they brought all out and, um, you know, Cole, I think he chipped the widest and, you know, just had to check down. So they probably thought he was staying in the block and then lost him. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, he did a great job. O-line did a great job giving me enough time with, you know, being outnumbered by one. And I was able to just drift and get the ball out. Of course, Cole made a great catch and run, got the first down. So I think that was a big play in the game for sure. Um, I mean, you know, I'm just taking it day by day. I'm not, you know, I'm where am I? I'm I'm right here. I guess you know I don't. You know how to answer that question, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm just taking it day by day, just trying to uh, get better each and every day, uh, learn from my mistakes, 
um, and really just be the best I can be for this team. So, um, you know, we're just going to take one day at a time, one game at a time, and, you know, focus focus like that. So, um, yeah, don't really have any interim goals, and we're just going to focus on, you know, the, the, the task that's next, and um, that's the Detroit after the bye week. So, like I said, just taking it day by day and uh, just, just focusing on the day that we have. So. Um, I mean, yeah, I really just wanted to, you know, prove to my teammates that, you know, um, that I had their back, you know, the, the way the defense was playing all game, I, I, I had to come back and, um, you know, at least give us a chance at the end. So, uh, I mean, it felt great just with those two fumbles adversities hitting after the second one. I'm, I was sick to my stomach. I'm not gonna lie to y'all, but, um, yeah, uh, defense three and out, got us the ball back. And at the end of the day, when you ha do have that opportunity at the end of the game, Everything before that, like I said before, it's just it's out the window. So you have well, that's that's all you have is I forgot what the score was, but all I know is that we needed a field goal and you know, those two fumbles that I had, it was it was over with. So at the present moment and you know like I said, guys did a great job executing at the end of the game when, you know, we needed to execute. So got better from last week, learned from last week and um finished the game how we wanted to finish it. Appreciate it, Wow. Fascinating, fascinating press conference there. It, you know, I almost felt like jumping through the screen and giving the guy a hug. You know, clearly, you know, he is upset with his performance. I, th I think he's ashamed by it, those two fumbles. And um, he's trying to, you know, I, I don't think anybody will appreciate this bye week more than him. He needs to get away from the game and try to focus and redirect his energy for these last five games. I, I wish him the best. I just don't know. I, mean, I see a quarterback there who is not confident at all. What do you think? Well, in terms of the first point, they, they showed a clip on the uh, uh, the four letter network here in, in, the, in the locker room where, where he, he stood up in the locker room after, you know, Abel's gave his rousing speech. And he said, he goes, he, he said he wanted, he asked Abel's to address the team. And he said, you know, he he apologized for putting him in a position to, you know, I need that, that, you know, that he thanked them for getting his back because, you know, and then they all said, you know, we got your back and blah, blah. So they all, they love the guy. I mean, they, they, that's a, that's a leader yeah. and they love the kid. So, you know, he's got that intangible, that it factor, if you will, in terms of leadership and all that stuff. So that's the thing. That's one of the more important things that, that got overlooked by these quarterbacks is, is, you know, will this teammates follow him? Will they, will they, you know, run through a wall for him? And I think that, you know, the fact that he said he, all he wanted to do was, was get back, give this team a chance because of you know, his two fumbles, put him in a position where they were going to lose his game. And, uh, you know, he just wanted to come back and, and get him in a position to win the game. And that's all he, he cared about. So, you know, that, that's that's one thing I love about this kid. Uh, obviously, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum in terms of, you know, there's still development there, still got to get better. But I think, you know, the, just the glimpses he's shown right now is there, there's the potential. If it gets put it all together, it's, it could be superstar potential. And, and that's what I believe when he came out of Iowa State. I, I do believe that he still has it in there. I just, I just think that, you know, Will he become a superstar? We'll see. You know, that's, that's to be determined. But just the glimpses you see, it's just it excites you. Because every time he has a ball in his hands in the open field you know, as a runner or if he's got time back there to to, to survey the field and get the ball downfield, I think this guy can, can make plays. And just the consistency and just little by little. And, and like I said earlier, I think we all agree he's gotten better from, from last year, right? So I think now it's just going to keep building, keep getting better, you know. And I, I disagree with you a little bit, Aldo, because I, I think – being off for those four weeks, I think that was his buy. You know, that, that, that's where he got healthy. He said his body felt great, you know, last week. I think just kind of getting back in that emotion again, right, getting those these two games now, I think I, I wanted to see him continue playing. But obviously, 
you know, you, you, you can't control the schedule. The bye week is, is coming up. I'm sure that the rest of the team is going to love that bye because they need to get away and, and just kind of relax and, and, and take a whole week off. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think for him, I personally, I, I would like to see him continue playing because, you know, coming off those four weeks, got that little bit of rust now. First game back is at Soldier Field versus the Lions, a team they, sh- in my opinion, should have beat last, you know, last week. So we'll see how that how they come out after after the bye. So I think this is a stretch run here for the Bears, where you know not only is it important to to see Justin's development, but also I think it's going to be important for the for the coaching career of, of Matt Eberflus and, and the rest of his staff. Icebergs, <laughs> stop with the man crush, Danny. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm I'm talking I'm talking facts. You know, if you if you want to call him a bust, that's that's your opinion. But I totally, totally disagree with that. Uh, and I, I got to say this on behalf of my man Danny, he's not expressing anything out of uh, hubris. You know, showing off because he said this guy's going to be a, a good football player. He's really honest in his evaluation. He's not, you know, of course he's pulling for Justin Fields like all Bears fans are, but he, he I'm not. I don't. I really believe that he's not saying these things about Justin Fields because he wants to try to, you know, look good, uh, given that he, he endorsed Fields being selected by the Bears. And I did. I mean, I was actually thinking about this today, Danny. That draft, I, w- I was, I kept saying, I'll take any one of these five quarterbacks. <laughs> well, clearly, uh, Lawrence was the cream of the crop, but he's kind of teetering yeah. a bit. He's also, yeah, inconsistent. All right. And then uh, Fields was clearly second. And then everybody else, bye. Yeah. Well, you know, they may not be in the league much longer. Right. That's the oh. thing is like when they say, oh, this is the next, you know, great, you know, can't miss prospect. Remember, Trevor Lawrence was the next great can't miss prospect for, you know, for two years at Clemson. And he hasn't looked, you know, he's got some great moments. He's got some bad moments. But, but you just, you can't just give up on these players. And I think that's the thing we do here is, is that we get, you know, to the point where like we want to just throw them out real quick and bring in someone new. You know, there's, there's no guarantee. You already invested, you know, three or four years in this kid and, and already coached him up. And, and who does, who's to say that a new coaching staff that's going to come in here and say, man, I, I can, I can put him in a position where this guy can, can become, you know, a, you know, a consistent winning quarterback. And you put, you know, like I said, we talked about earlier, put weapons around him, put a defense around him. You know, I think then that time you see the bears take off there, you know, you know, if, 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 you know, Josh, I just, Josh Allen, I keep going back to him, you know, uh, last couple of years, he was a the darling of, of the NFL. You know, he's second in terms of turnovers this year with 16 turnovers, right? And so, and then Buffalo is like, what the hell is going on with Josh Allen? So it's like, it's just, we got to kind of take everything in with, with some context here in terms of what's going on around them, what's what's happening. Yeah, like if if Justin Fields has come out here and, and I said undrafted, the Bears got their franchise quarterback. If Justin Fields has come out here and playing like Zach Wilson, I'm like, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. Get, you move on. But he's not. You know, he's not, he's giving you a chance to win games. You know, it's just the entire team around him isn't better. And I, I bet you if Justin Fields was on the Jets, I said it earlier, if he was on the Jets, they'd be, they'd have a winning record right now. So it's just, you got to build these guys slowly but surely. Some might come in, hitting, hit, you know, hit it hard and go like CJ Stroud. No one, no one, no one thought that was going to be, you know, like CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud is going to come in here and just be as great as he's been, right? It's the circumstances mm-hmm. he's put in, the, the, the team around them, the offensive play caller, the, the weapons around them. You know, a lot of the weapons aren't known. But Nico Collins was, was a was a top highly recruited kid out, out of high school. You know, going, went going to Michigan. You know, so I mean, DJ uh, Dalton Schultz was was a top tight end last year with the Cowboys. You know, they have 
you know, Larry McTunsil, all pro left tackle. So they have Damian Pierce was a, was a hard running running back, you know, they got Devin Singletary, who was a, a guy that we like come off and out of, uh, you know, FAU for, for the bears, you know, so they got some weapons around them and it just, and then, and it all kind of gels in with the play caller and everything else. So I think, I think with the Bears is like they've added DJ Moore this year. They got Cole Komet. They got a good running game. They're building a nice, solid offensive line. There's a couple more pieces I, I would like to add to the offensive line, and maybe and definitely a, a kid like Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside, opposite of, of DJ Moore. And I think now offensively you got something there, and now continue to build on a defense. So I just hope it's a it's a it's another staff though, another another coaching staff that can that can put all these players, not just Justin, but every single one of these players in a in a better position to succeed. Albert Breer, I think he's with NFL.com. Okay, thank you. Uh, he reported that Kevin Warren uh, wants more power over the football operations. Well, I think Greg Gabriel nailed it when he tweeted out that he, that was an opinion by Albert Breer. He doesn't have any insider information. And in fact, when Kevin Warren was announced as president and CEO of the Chicago Bears, they said he was going to have oversight over the entire football operation. So I got to believe that if he wanted to fire people tomorrow, he could do that and, and immediately get a blessing from George McCaskey if he has to do that, which I don't think he does at this point. But I, uh, I, I want to get to this point, Danny, um, because I, I love Justin Fields. I really do hope that he can, over these last five games, just fucking put a stamp on it. I'm your man. We draft Marvin Harrison and blah, blah, blah. We just start building a great team. But at the same time, I have been complaining for about almost 15 years now that the Bears just do things out of synchronicity. And so wouldn't we all Bears fans be relieved if everybody is fired and Kevin Warren says, I'm bringing in my own GM, my own quarterback, my own offensive coordinator, defense coordinator after consulting with the head coach, and my own quarterback. I think I said that. OCDC head coach, GM. That would, that would give me hope that the Bears are finally doing it right. What do you think? I agree with you there, except for the player personnel stuff. I, I would stop there. I, I, I don't know, I, I've said that before. Kevin Warren's my only glimmer of hope when, when the Bears start off horrible this season. I yes, said, he's have. the guy that, that, that I think should. Remember, he's trying to build a stadium. He's trying to sell PSLs. He's trying to, he's trying to bring, you know, you, you don't want to go selling the PSLs with, with Matt Eberflus and his one win in the division so far as, as, as his record, right? You want to, you want to bring it. So that's why I, I, the glimmer of hope is Kevin Warren says, Ryan Poles, you're getting rid of this coach. You want to stay for another year? I'll give you another year. But but my, my preference is clean house, like you said, bring in your GM and go get the best qualified head coach, whether it's Jim Harbaugh or Ben Johnson or whoever it is, and then let them decide on the player personnel. Because I don't want the, the team president getting involved in, in player personnel. So if Ben Johnson comes in here and says, hey, I can, I can work with Justin Fields, and I so I still want a quarterback maybe in the second round, but I can I can work with Justin Fields. Let's go with that and let's add more weapons around him. I'll go with that. If Ben Johnson or Jim Harbaugh comes in and says, Yeah, I can't do this. I, I need my own quarterback. Then as as to, like you said, to keep keep everyone on the same page, right? Uh, you you start such and then you have to go ahead and give him that that quarterback, give him that opportunity to go ahead and build it his his way. So that's that's my hope is is that Kevin Warren. You know uh, today's uh, clip. You know he was in the locker room there and listening to the to the to the post game speech by Iberflu. So I, I, my hope is that that he 
if he is, in, you know, like you said, in, in, truly in charge and wants to make changes and wants to sell this product, he goes, he goes big game hunting. And, and, and I, I would, I would go to, go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan and bring Jim Harbaugh here. And, and I, I think he would do wonders with, with a kid like Justin Fields. If, if that's who he wants to as his quarterback. And I think he, he'd bring a physical team. He'd bring, he'd bring a team, but offensive and defensive line that, that would be physical would get after people. Uh, he might only last four or five years because, you know, he gets on their people's nerves, but, uh, but man, we'd have a physical fun team to watch. And I'd say within a year or two, you'd be contending for, it's not division, definitely for, for playoffs. That's what I feel. Well, can we still make the playoffs this year? What? Uh, we're not officially out of it. We'd have no, to win the last five games. Win, but I would assume they have to win all five games to go nine and eight. And- Absolutely. So yeah, it could happen. I mean, this, you know, there, there are teams in what, what division is it that doesn't have a winning record? Uh, the South. Uh, South uh, <laughs> NFC South. I mean, so I got, the Falcons are five and six, and today they they host a, they'll be hosting a playoff game after the season and today. That's crazy. All right, but I, I, think, I mean, with Detroit at, at eight and three, I believe they are. You know, so it's, it's I mean, you have to obviously beat Detroit. You got to beat Minnesota, uh, Minnesota again, and obviously you know, Packers end the season. Then you got was it Atlanta? You got uh, uh, Arizona, which which aren't world leaders, but I think is that mm-hmm. it? Those things, those are the five teams, right? Minnesota, yeah. Detroit, Atlanta. Uh, uh, Arizona and then, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, if they could, if they, the defense plays the way they've been playing the last couple of weeks and the offense puts up, you know, between, you know, 26 to 30 points a game, I, I think they have a chance to, to win these games. They have a chance. Yeah. No, I'm not going to predict them to win. Yeah. So. ESPN analytics say, yeah, it's about a 20% chance. <laughs> Ravi has a question for you. Uh, why does Fields look slow on dropbacks and pump fakes at times in clean pockets? Whose fault is that? That it feels like he's gotten slower. That he he's gotten slower from the Nagy era, and I do I I do have, agree with Ravi about that. His dropbacks in his rookie season, my recollection is that they were much faster than this kind of relaxed way that uh, Getsy wants him, Getsy and Janoko, I'm assuming want him to drop back. His feet are slow. And I've always been taught since the days when Bobby Douglas and Vince Evans were quarterback in the Chicago Bears is that when you drop back, you get back there in a hurry because you want to help your offensive line. You want to get rid of the ball quickly, etc. What do you what do you think about uh what Ravi's saying there? It's interesting because because I, I, I have a different spin on it. I, I think his his footwork has gotten better. Not necessarily faster, but I think I just cleaner and better since it, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gotten better. So uh, it, it, it might look like at times he's dropping back kind of lackadaisical. Uh, I, I just don't think right. I don't know if that's just the way he plays. But but the one thing I would like to see Justin do is, is speed up his delivery. Is, is get the rid of the ball quicker out of his hands. And today we saw a little bit of that. We saw a little bit against Detroit. Um, and I think it, Justin was was a player. Always feels like he likes to get the his fingers on on the laces. And whenever he's throwing the ball without having the laces uh, on his finger, just the ball wobbles out of his hands. It's just not comfortable. Mm-hmm. The ball kind of skips. So I think he's got to get better at that, get rid of the ball quicker. Uh, but, I, but I think his footwork has gotten better. Now, there are times where things kind of break down in the pocket. You get what we right. call a dirty pocket, and you just kind of you see his footwork kind of go over the place. So uh, I, I know the, the the lackadaisical stuff does, does kind of stick out on tape a couple of times. But I just think as, as long as his footwork is clean, and as long as he gets gets rid of the ball accurately and quicker, quicker gets the ball out of his hands, that's what I'm more concerned about. And that's where I think I like to see him continue to get better in, in, in terms of just getting rid of the ball out of his hands. Like I said earlier, make that play clock in his head is what I really want to see him improve on. Uh, that was one of the key things I was, I was looking at for this season coming into it is just 
you know, make read your do your pre uh, pre snap uh, diagnosis of the defense, and then post snap if anything changes, you know, adjust and get rid of the ball. Do not hold on to the ball for far, far four, five, six, seven seconds. Uh, just you know, continue to just to process quicker, get the ball out of your hands quicker, and avoid sacks, avoid negative plays. Keep your keep your uh, team you know in, in front of the chains, not behind the chains. And I think you'll see continued improvement there as well. Zach says his feet in the pocket are goofy, isn't off, often set and ready to throw, it seems. I agree with you're, Zach to a point. You want to see goofy feet in the pocket? Look at Patrick Mahomes' legs, feet in the yeah. pocket. They yeah, are very true. That's what makes him so special is that he can still get off, you know, accurate throws, what, 80, 90% of the time when his fucking feet are contorted to look like a ballerina yeah. or Because when you study Patrick Mahomes kind of out of Texas Tech, and that's where I missed on him. And, and although you're spot on, I always give you credit for, for Patrick Mahomes. You you said Thank you wanted you. that kid out of, out of that draft. And I said, ah, his mechanics were all over the place. His decision-making was was horrible. Yeah, he had you know a great arm. and But the thing he didn't know about, I didn't know about him because I, I didn't you know see him is – is the competitive drive that that fire mm-hmm. he's got in him, and, and and you know you watch some of these clips that they show, you know, when these uh, inside the NFL shows in terms of his desire to, to push his teammates to get into other other defensive players' faces and all like that. That's the kind of stuff like you know like a Michael Jordan had, right? That 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 competitive fire that just Tom Brady had. You know, all the great ones have that fire, and that's what you want to see is in, in your quarterback. But but in terms of mechanics, oh my God, coming out of Texas Tech, he had some of the worst mechanics I've ever seen for a quarterback. I was like, how could you take this guy top? top five, you know, top three, whatever it was, but you know, you're right. And I, again, I always, I always go back. I give you credit for that. You called it, you know, you know coming out of Texas tech that he was, he was the guy you wanted. Well, and you got to give me credit for one more, you know, and, and you can also bring up the guys that I liked in our bus, but uh, Jalen hurts, you know, watching that performance last night uh, to, to beat the Buffalo bills. Jalen hurts is just the epitome of cool. He's in the sidelines. He's it's like, he's watching a concert, you know, he just goes out there in crunch time and gets it done. He's a special guy. And I got to tell you, I, I fell in love with him more because of the person that he exuded in his interviews and stuff. And I saw enough of his play to, you know, think that he was, would be an intriguing uh, draft pick, but I, I'm really proud of the way this guy has turned out. But if you took at the stats, although I know <laughs> it's true, but much more than Justin, right? I mean, but but the only thing is he's got the weapons around him. He's got a, a team around the defense, like bail him yep. out when he throws an interception or he fumbles the ball. So I think again, talking about you know an entire team, a defensive unit that can support your young quarterback, weapons are outside, guys in the backfield, and an offensive line, right? And that's why when everybody says, "Oh, you're so hard on Ryan Poles," because he just took so long. If, if you're going to strip it down, fine, strip it down. But you gotta attack the offensive and defensive lines, and I just think he took too long. You know, that's why, like, you guys are gonna think that I'm crazy, but like, if they do get rid of Ryan Poles, the guy I'm really intrigued by is the assistant GM Ian Cunningham. And I, and you're gonna be like, whoa, he's the assistant GM. What you want? I'm like, yes, because Ian Cunningham came up under the Baltimore Ravens, okay, and they're they're a great GM, right? And and uh, and for some reason, I'm drawing a blank on him. Help me out, Aldo, the the tight end. Um, Ozzie Newsom, Ozzie Newsom, yes. Okay. And he, so he grew up under that under that regime, and then went to Eric DaCosta, and then he went to Philadelphia under Harry Roseman, and learned mm-hmm. under that regime. So two different regimes, both regimes build where offensive and defensive line. So as opposed to Ryan Poles, who just came from the Chiefs, 
and what the Chiefs did, right? So I, I, I and Ian Cunningham is a guy that I've been told when the Bears got him, was like they were surprised that he even lasted more than a year with the Bears because he's a GM in waiting. Actually, he turned down the Arizona Cardinals job, if I'm not mistaken, last offseason. So he's a guy that really intrigues me. Um, so, you know, if, if, I'm saying like if, if you want to bring in, that's a guy that I can really kind of get behind and I could give him a shot. And everybody's like, he's assistant GM. What are you talking about? I'm like, we don't know what he, you know, in terms of what his role is, what player development, all that stuff. But the fact that he was came from two organizations like Baltimore and Philadelphia really intrigues me. And all you hear from other scouts and other people that know Ian Cunningham is this guy is going to be a hell of a GM whenever he gets his turn. So um, Zach says, so if Cunningham gets approached by another team, could you just demote polls and put him under Ian? Polls do that. Yeah. Polls yeah. Will just do it. yeah. Out of professional uh, ethics, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. You, you wouldn't do that to polls. You would not offer him that because it would be a slap in the face. Right. Uh, now, the question is, if you fire Poles and then you say, Cunning Ian, we would love to interview you for the job because we think that you're really qualified, then that's on Ian to make that decision. Right. Am I going to do that to my buddy who <laughs> fired me? There's only 32 of these jobs, although there's 32 of these jobs. But so if, if you want, if you want, you know, you you are already in this organization, you know how it works. If, if him and Kevin Warren have a relationship and Kevin Warren gives him the right to go and get his own coach and all that stuff and Hey Ryan, I appreciate you giving me my, this opportunity, but you know I was going to get it either way, whether you gave me this job or not. I was going to become. He was on his trajectory to become a, a GM eventually in this league. So, you know, it, it, at that point, it's it's, Kevin, it's it's Ian Cunningham for himself, right? You have to worry about Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles is going to be well compensated for you know he's got a contract and he's going to guarantee money and all that stuff. So he's going to get a job probably with the Chiefs, you know, doing whatever he does, you know, just kind of like like Matt Nagy go back there and, and be a scout again. So don't cry for Ryan Poles. You know, he's he's gonna he's going to be okay. Ian Cunningham, if, if you want an opportunity, this is an opportunity for you to go ahead and build your own team the way you want it. And it's, again, one of 32, a franchise, you know, a charter franchise that, uh, you know, Chicago Bears, you bring them back to prominence. You, you know, you're going to be, um, you know, well-known throughout the throughout the country, throughout the world, basically. Yep, indeed. We spent a lot of time on this show talking about Justin Fields. He is kind of the hot topic. Not enough time talking about the defense, but I promise we will do that next Wednesday on Buffon 55 when Danny joins John and Alyssa in Buffon's basement. We'll have all sorts of topics ranging on the Bears defense and, of course, preparation for the Detroit Lions game. Now, I want to ask everybody in the chat room and Danny before we get out of here, uh, how – for, for people in the chat room, one word and describe Justin Fields' play today. One word, just post one word, and it's not tight. I know, <laughs> I know, Ian posted that before. Before I asked the question, just give me one word. But Danny, please uh, take as much time as you need to give us a full it. understanding. Go ahead. Gutsy. I think I think it was gutsy performance today. You know that first that first half he took some hard hits. You know he he was standing in there and delivering the ball. Um, obviously, you know those two turnovers. Uh, you know a lot a lot of you know with his history and that pressure we talked about him in terms of you know leading that game winning drive and just to kind of say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and lead that that you know the put the Bears in position to go ahead and kick that winning field goal. I think it was it was a gutsy performance today by by Justin Fields. Okay, let's see what we got here. Ravi says <laughs> replaceable. <laughs> Taz gave two words, uh, fire poles. <laughs> Joe, uh, uh, it's funny because Ravi is not a Fields fan, you know, based on his play, 
no other reason. And Joe is a Fields fan based on his play and his potential. And he's his one word is overcame, which which is a good word because he did. After those two fumbles, I I would have bet a paycheck if I was making any money uh, that the Bears were going to lose the game. I, just, I In fact, I felt that way at halftime. I, I told everybody, I think the Bears are going to lose this game. So, again, I'm wrong. But uh, so here's some more words. Uh, Michael says average. BG147 says uncertain. Zach says salvation. Yeah, he solved his potential career with, with, with the team. Jimmy says Trubisky was a little bit Trubisky. Danny, you got to admit. Come on. What part of the, was it? Which one? The which 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 uh, deer in headlights look did you did you get from him? <laughs> Throwing uh, the ball to Mooney and almost okay. having him killed. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that that's yes. I gave you that one. And then the fumbles? Is that what, what you're talking about then? Yeah, it, it, you know Trubisky was uh, turnover prone. I'm I'm sure statistically, uh, uh, Fields is worse from a fumbles lost fumble standpoint, but from interceptions, Trubisky, I think, has Justin Fields beat on interceptions. But if you have one game to win, Aldo, and your quarterback's either Mitch Trubisky or Justin Fields. Oh, for, for fucking sure. I'm picking Justin Fields, and I'm installing you as the OC for that game. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Um, all right, everybody. I think we've uh, we've covered it here. Miguel says, Aldo, you know people in Hallisaw. Are you le- heading that way to keep fields in Chicago? <laughs> no, Miguel. I'm not. Uh, uh, I don't know anybody over there. Uh, I, I'm not even sure I know any of the uh, people in Lake Forest. <laughs> That's where the money is at. Uh, so I don't have any friends at Lake Forest. But I do have prayers. And tonight I will be saying prayers for the team. Frankly, I, I, I would would not be surprised if there's some uh, coaching changes done tomorrow. It's highly unlikely with this organization. And I've mm-hmm. had that feeling before and it hasn't turned out because it's an uh, in season thing. But man, I looked at Matt Eberflus today and, and I thought to myself, this guy might be gone after tonight. If, if they think? lost, if they lost, although I, I, I would, I would kind of be leaning towards that way too. Cause I mean, cause now you're talking all in 10 in the division Right, and now you're going to a stretch drive where, where you want to see some answers, and and you know you could see them maybe making a change like the Carolina did, right? Carolina did after after, and and although you know you do a draft for me every year, and I said the team that picks five, a under six foot quarterback number one overall always fires their 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 head coach, and it happened with and with uh, Mayfield that happened with with this kid as well, and Frank yeah. Reich after eleven games is, is fired, so. So and and unfortunately Scott Federer, who's who's a really good guy, is probably going to be next. And that that's yeah. all because and that's all because that 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 owner wanted that that quarterback, not not uh, for, and Brent Frank Rank takes takes the hit for it. So do we know that for sure? Because I've I've been wanting to say that on social media, but I I've never seen a quote or a report that legitimately said this was David Tepper pushing this quarterback on his general manager and head coach. Do we know that for sure, Danny? I mean, there, there's no one coming out and going to, you know, agree to it or, or, you know, confirm it, if, if you, you know, unless now something, you know, with Frank Reich out that comes out because Frank Reich's profile of quarterbacks did not fit this kid, right? right? It did not fit this kid, and and he, he wanted, you know, like the CJ Stroud was that profile that you would think that Frank Reich would like, you know, accurate guy that's got good solid size, you know, can make all the throws. Uh, I just the, the 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 matchup with these with with you know with that young yeah, young kid and 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 and. Frank Reich just didn't fit to me. And then they, they put all this money into that coaching staff and their offense looks 
looks horrible. It looks just horrible. And because this kid can't be protected, the offensive line is, is, is a shambles, and he, he can't see over the line, so he's got to be in the shotgun most of the time. And, you know, obviously he doesn't have any weapons around him as well, but just he looks shell-shocked there as well. You know, he's getting he's getting clobbered. And the fact that he's getting up every single play, it's, it's you know, toughness for, for him, for Bryce Young. But, man, it's it's it looks bad out there. And, and then, sure enough, he, they fired him today, Frank Wright. Who's the backup at, at Carolina? Do you think Chris Tabor? Uh, Red Rifle. Uh, Andy Dalton. Yeah. You think uh, uh, our boy, uh, the former Bears – uh, special teams coordinator, uh, who is now the interim coach. You think he might, yeah, you think he might put Dalton in and and save this no. young kid? I, I don't, I don't think. I mean, it, it's it's not. I, I think what they did want was they made Thomas because remember, Wright, Wright gave Thomas Brown the offense corner the, the play calling duties, and then two weeks later took it back. So mm -hmm. that that tells me that that was forced upon him to do that, right? So they saw that didn't help, so he took it back. Now having fired Reich. Thomas Brown is the offensive coordinator with Jim Caldwell being the offensive assistant or advisor to, to, to kind of help right. do everything they can to put, you know, uh, Bryce Young in a position to, to succeed and look, because, because the, the fans in Carolina, think like, we give up all this for this, you know, so they're, they're turning in Carolina on, on, on Bryce Young and they're turning quickly. So he's trying to save, you know, the owners trying to save face there in terms of, you know, trying to get something out of him. So they, they can go back and say, Oh, look, look, it wasn't, his fault. It's it's the scapegoat, right? The scapegoat was was Frank Reich. So right. uh, we'll we'll see how that turns out. But um, yeah, the, the only the only thing the only bad news about that firing is you know how a team gets a little spark when they get a new coach. Yep, that, that, that could lead to a victory, and you do not want Carolina obviously to to win because you want them to get that you know number one pick overall. So exactly. Um, yeah, I uh, I'm a little bit worried about that. You know, Chris Tabor was the special teams coordinator when we had the double doink, and I think we we can get doinked again with. Tabor, you know, inspiring this team to a win or two. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I, I, I think they also fired Josh McCown too, I believe, right? Wasn't he like go to? Yeah, you know that that was interesting because I read that it was Tabor that fired McCown uh, because they were at odds regarding the quarterback position. Now, I do remember I was watching NFL Network when uh, C.J. Stroud was having his workout. And the Carolina Panthers were there for, his, I think it was his pro day, and Josh McCown shaking his hand and saying, patting him on the back and saying, "I'll see you in Carolina." Yeah. Oh, it's basically saying we're going to draft you. And yeah. CJ Stroud turned to one of his uh, receivers, the guys that were he was working out with, and said, "Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said?" And I think that probably left a really poor taste on Tepper and everyone who was for. Uh, young and against CJ Stroud, so uh, a, a soap opera over in Carolina. And that that owner just he he could be the worst owner in the league now that Dan Snyder is gone. <laughs> and, then, and then the thing was, Frank Reich wasn't even the first choice. Ben Johnson was the leading candidate, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, if I remember correctly. And he pulled yeah. his name out at the last minute. He said, "I'm staying in Detroit," and then they end up turning into, and hiring Frank Reich. Do you think that was because he he knew that they uh, they were going to draft? He claims uh, he wasn't ready yet. You know, you know but obviously, wow. I, I think I, I, obviously Tepper is is, a, is an owner that everyone knows that he's a meddler. He's a guy that gets involved. He's he's not as bad as Jerry Jones, but he's he's up there. You know, in terms of like just getting putting his nose into things and things. He's you know he's he's a guy that does a lot of analytics and all that stuff. And I think it, it has helped him in his business you know career and made him a lot of wealth. But you know that just my thing is if you're an owner, you know you kind of know your know your you know your spot, know your lane. You yeah. stay where you get good people, hire the best people, and let them do their jobs. 
and just kind of sit back and, you know, and and, and watch them. They, they, that's the thing with the McCaskies. They do that. They hire people. They let them do their jobs. They stay out of it. The unfortunate part is they hire bad people and they let them do their you know bad job and and stay out of it. That's the that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, that is the unfortunate part. Um, all right, Danny, thank you for going over. I know you had a really rough day at the office, and so having your expertise here for the last ninety minutes has been a great pleasure for us. I have to come. I have to come celebrate. You know, Matt Eberflus's first division win. It's, <laughs> That's yeah. right. We, we could not have bypassed that. I could have easily called this show off, but we're here for Flus. Yeah. <laughs> He's one in ten in the division. There we're taking the north. <laughs> uh, back here. <laughs> right. Uh, Greg Gabriel and I will be back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. to talk about the game and what's ahead. And then uh, a busy day for me tomorrow at 8 o'clock Central to be Dan Aguirre, Jenny Santucci, and myself having some laughs and making fun of the fiasco at Hallis Hall. For Danny Shimon, I'm Aldo Gandia. Take care, everybody. <laughs>